In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. It's not easy to get to Bethlehem. Some of you may know this. If you've ever visited Israel and tried to go, then you know pretty much what I mean. It's only about six miles from Jerusalem, but Bethlehem is in the West, in the West Bank. It's under the administration of the Palestinian National Authority, and it symbolizes so many of the complexities of that part of the world. On one hand, it suffers from economic depression and all sorts of obstacles put in place by the occupation of Israel. But on the other, it suffers from corruption and poor leadership and management by the Palestinian Authority. And so if you manage to make it through one of the 29 checkpoints, then you make it to Bethlehem. Some days it's clear to pass. Other days, the gates are closed, no reason given. About 20 years ago, I was able to get to Bethlehem. But the bus ride from Jerusalem felt more like 60 miles than 6 miles. Once inside, near Manger Square, the cynic in me took over as I saw tourist stands everywhere you looked, people wanting to sell olive wood this or that, and nativity scenes, and and holy families, and you name it. It was all right there. Rosaries, carvings, saints, just about any possible religious item you could imagine. But then once I got inside the church of the nativity, all that cynicism passed away. It's a special, special place. There in this enormous, dark, barn-like church, a church that was built first in the year 326 by Constantine, standing in that great old place, It occurred to me then, it probably should have occurred to me before then, but only then it hit me that Jesus may not have been born on that spot, but it wasn't far wherever he was born. It wasn't far away at all. In that heavy air of burning candles and lingering incense, you can feel the sort of holy residue of prayer built up over the years, over the centuries, as people have brought to that special place all their joys and their sorrows, their highest hopes, their deepest fears. They've taken them all to what we believe is the site of a little cradle, the site where a baby lay, a site where others came to visit. It's not easy to reach Bethlehem in our day, but perhaps it was never very easy to get there. If you think about it, it wasn't a straight shot for Mary and Joseph either. Think of all Joseph had to overcome in order to go to Bethlehem. He had to overcome his own self-doubts, the gossip in the town. Um, He had to overcome his sense of being made a fool of by others. He knew what people were saying. He knew how they talked and thought and stared. He should divorce that woman, that girl, they must have said. She's no good for you, they must have thought. But Joseph went on, led by a dream, led by love. 
It couldn't have been easy for Mary to reach Bethlehem either, if you think about it. She may have been visited by the angel Gabriel, but what he didn't add to the Annunciation was that things were going to get a lot worse before they would ever get better. And then one day, unimaginably, one day, a long, long time from that cradle, what old Simeon would prophesy would come to pass. A sword would pierce her own soul also. Her child would die. And yet Mary, somehow, with one hand in Joseph's hand and the other perhaps reaching out for God, a little like Adam stretching his finger toward God in the Sistine Chapel, Mary goes forward. The shepherds go too. They must have had their struggles. And in a few more days, we'll hear how the wise men risk their necks and outfox King Herod in order to see this one rumored to be the Messiah. They risk in order to visit this baby lying in a manger. They too go to Bethlehem. In tonight's gospel, it's the shepherds who have the great line of the evening. Let us go to Bethlehem. But that's an invitation that really reverberates through our music, through our prayers, through our hymns. What might that mean for us to move toward Bethlehem? Of course, Bethlehem is a place, a dusty, disputed, troubled, but deeply loved place. But Bethlehem is also a deeply spiritual place. It's a place where the very depth of God's love is born. And it's a place we're invited to find. For Christians, the entirety of God's love is somehow gathered together in that place and concentrated in a laser-like force that cuts through the whole paradigm or idea of divinity. God becomes human. That makes no sense. God voluntarily leaves the the God place of all in all, of everything and nothing, of Alpha and Omega, and God chooses to become something, one thing, and a very, very small, fragile thing at that, a little baby. Bethlehem, of course, doesn't belong to Christians. It's a place for any who might be even uncomfortable with this fleshy Christian God. Bethlehem is a birthplace for love, for the depth of God's love in any expression. It can serve as a reference point for any love that tries to be more than what we might have ever imagined or ever thought or ever experienced. Bethlehem stands for the possibility of love. That name, Beit Lehem, literally means in the Hebrew, the city of bread. It's a city that feeds, that offers nourishment, that offers strength and sustenance. Bethlehem feeds Judaism, of course, in being the hometown of King David. And through him, it gives a sense of royalty and nobility and faith in God through success and failure, through blessing, repentance and forgiveness. Bethlehem is also the home to the tomb of Rachel, the wife of Jacob, Abraham's grandson. It's Judaism's third holiest site. 
Bethlehem also feeds Islam in that it's the birthplace of Isa, who we know as Jesus, regarded by Islam as a prophet who was so great that he was taken up by God into heaven. And then, of course, us, we who believe Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel, we are fed again and again through Bethlehem, through the here and now, through the sacrament of Holy Communion. We believe that before Christ died, he offered himself to his friends and he promised always to offer himself through bread and wine, through body and blood. Gerard Manley Hopkins captures this idea of Bethlehem as a place that beckons and calls, that calls us to be our very best, our most loving, our most godly. As he writes, moonless darkness stands between past, the past no more be seen, but the Bethlehem star may lead me to the sight of him who freed me from the self that I might have been. Make me pure, Lord, thou art holy. Make me meek, Lord, Thou wert lowly, now beginning and alway, now begin on Christmas Day. We pray for the peace of Bethlehem, and we can continue to pray for the peace of that physical place, that tangible place, and we can put money and action and letters and all kinds of things along with our prayers for peace. But Bethlehem as a spiritual place lives with each of us. I'm reminded of the Russian holy man known only as the the Seraphim of Serov, who said famously that the person who is at peace is able to save a thousand souls. The person who is at peace can save a thousand souls. We pray for peace in our world, for peace in our land, for peace in our country, in our city. But a part of the message of Christmas is a reminder that peace begins up close and personal. In the form of a little baby, in the form of a man and woman who parent that child, in the form of those who drop what they're doing to come closer to God. Peace lives in each one of us if we make a home for peace. God loves small things. We celebrate that at Christmas. God came into the world not large, not loud, but as a little tiny baby in the middle of nowhere. And so we do what we can in small ways to be peace in our world. Already today, there have been little tiny symbols at our five o'clock family service, we had a parent whose, whose children are raised in both the Christian and, and Jewish tradition, and the parent uh, used both of the boys to help him light one of the candles for the menorah. Um, his Christian wife and one of the other boys sang the song later in the service. At the same time as our family service was going on here, our Muslim friends were over in St. Christopher's house, the other building, cooking the dinner for our community supper on Saturdays so that Christians could do whatever we were doing today and they could cook on our behalf. Those are tiny, tiny little symbols of peace, of God in our midst, of God with us. They won't make the news. They won't change the world out there. But they change the world in here. 
Friends, in whatever way, by whatever road, may we find our way to Bethlehem, to the Bethlehem that is the city of bread, but also the city of peace, the place of peace. And may we follow Christ to live as people of peace, offering the bread of peace to a starving, starving world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.